So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of the Last Dance Parts 7 and 8, the NBA cap being lowered from its current $109 million Per team to a signing with the Dolphins, a $31.3 million deal. Zion in heat, in trouble with a lawsuit from his former marketing agent. UFC 249, Greg Hardy versus Yogan D. Castro. Tyson teasing. Fans at a return to the ring and the NBPA polling players on whether they want to return for a season, along with a little uh, sprinkle of some China drama. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening and make sure you also subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Run up those listens. Oh, yeah, we need them. Get those numbers. Uh, we, we, it's pretty good, but I love to see those numbers go up. But to begin, we're going to go ahead and get into The Last Dance, the Bulls documentary, Jordan, uh, parts seven and eight. So just to highlight a couple things from parts seven and eight was Gary Payton's feeling he would have gotten the best of MJ if he guarded him the full series. MJ's father's death pushing him to play baseball. MJ returning to a great championship with his first championship in tears and pain winning without his father being there. And that in-your-face motivation style Jordan used for his teammates. MJ hitting Steve Kerr in practice. The views were pretty far up there when it comes to the last dance as it It came in with 5.1 million viewers watching Sunday of the part seven and eight. And of course, Scottie Pippen refusing to go into a very important playoff game for the Bulls. But I'll go ahead and ask, what was the most iconic moment for you in part seven and eight of the last dance? I think that the most iconic part was the way that Michael Jordan showed his mentality. It's one of the things that I think he was afraid of showing um, because people didn't always see him behind closed doors. They always saw the Michael Jordan with the suit on and um, talked really well. But he pushed players to their limits. That's why you see where he got into a fight with Steve Kerr. I mean, bust him in the face. But. He went and apologized to Steve Kerr right after that, and they hit it off from there. They had a great relationship. He just likes to push players up to his level because he wasn't going to ask them to do anything more than than he hadn't already done. Did he not understand he was overly gifted? Or at least, no, he was was diligent also. I would say his work ethic ethic got him there also. But um, to say what was most iconic... I I would have to definitely say him tearing up after winning his fourth championship and his father not being there. Like, that really touched your soul. Like, I never felt so much for 
Jordan, even though I existed during that time. I kind of remember during that time when he lost his father. I just never had that much of a understanding of his pain throughout those following years of his father's death. And especially with the media attacking him about it being due to his gambling debts or not saying he had debts, but his gambling in general. Yeah, um, the media likes to make up stories and just make up things that are negative more than positive. And that that is a pretty good point uh, with his his father, the, the death of his father. That really moved him. Really, they had a, a very good relationship and the loss of his father that just really crushed him. And just coming back to win another championship after that, um, it just felt so hard for him. Yeah, I, I have to agree, but that's my that's with my most iconic moment. It was definitely a lot of top moments in these uh, parts seven and eight. Um, a little bit more personal, and even with the current Jordan and now Jordan uh, producing another meme for uh, social media um, when he laughed at Gary Payton, that was quite iconic, also. Um, but uh, do you feel uh, we'll we'll move on to the, actually the Scotty part of this uh, documentary where he. Did you feel Scottie Pippen was right by sitting out uh, during that important playoff game because he felt his talents was being disrespected? I think that it was really selfish in a way because you do play for the, the best, the betterment of the team. You want to have team success. And for you to have team success, you have to participate. And they were just lucky enough to win that game without him going in. But it was really selfish because he thought that he was the number one player, which he was. And he did have a right to uh, step up in that moment. But I guess if the coach doesn't see that you can deliver at that point, then, you know, go along with it. Be one of the better team players. I think one player that probably doesn't get enough credit for that is Dwayne Wade. Because he was a top player at the time when um, LeBron James and Chris Bosh and all of them joined up together. And he took a back seat. He he didn't fight him on who was the leader of the team. He just let him go ahead and do him. Well, I, I actually kind of I'm siding with uh, Scotty. He was having an MVP year, his most MVP year out of any of his years in the NBA. Um, and if that was any player in the NBA, in the top even seven, who uh, in possibly being the MVP of the league, they would all demand the ball in that situation. I understand. I definitely understand. Tony Kukos was killer for a game-winning shot. So I, I, I'm on the side of Phil Jackson for his decision-making, but I'm definitely still on the side also of Scottie Pippen. I'm just saying it should have happened the way it happened. And it did happen the way it happened. They still won the game. Well, you got to choose one side. That You well, can't pick both sides. <laughs> and, he, and he regretted it. And uh, Not really. He, no, I think, uh, he apologized. He immediately apologized. He apologized, but he said he might. He probably would do it again, though. Yeah, exactly. I understand why he would do it the same way, because that was disrespectful. He was the Jordan of that at that time. There was no Jordan in the league, and he was having an MVP year on uh, such a great team. He, I understand why he would be like, well, screw you. 
I'm not going in the game. And I definitely understand why Phil Jackson was going with Tony Kukos. It, they literally showed how many game winner shots he hit. And he actually came up and did it again. Yeah, that's just like Robert Ory. I mean, nobody looks at him as this huge star, but, you know, he was clutching those moments. Yeah, I, I can agree. Uh, definitely with Robert Ori. Um, but I, I like when it comes to this, I'm on both sides. If you if you're pinning um, Phil Jackson against uh, Scotty, I would say I, I agree with both decisions. I don't think the team was too mad at him, but it was one person who felt that he betrayed them because it was the playoffs and they could have went down three zero. Um, but I'll actually uh, move it along. Is the Last Dance documentary helping or hurting Michael Jordan's image? I think that it is basically staying the same because you, you're getting two sides of the one person. You're getting the inside look on how he was in the locker room with his players, um, with the, the staff. And then you also see uh, the greatness on the court that we had already heard about. Maybe there was a little bit of things that we didn't see before, but we continue to see the greatness, how he scored so much against um, some other greats, all-time greats in the NBA. And it's I, I think it's the same because people who already thought of Michael Jordan as the greatest player ever, this did not change their mind. Or people who didn't think that he wasn't the greatest, this didn't change their mind. It just, everything just stays the same, I think. Mm-hmm. I was kind of on that side, the same side in the beginning of my thinking about this. But actually, no, I think it actually helps his image. It's it gives him an excuse for being who he is. We will no longer ask him, uh, even if there's some group of people who may ask of him to be a different type of person publicly. It, it's going to be different, at least going forth, at least for the younger generation that knows nothing really of the Jordan era. Um, where they just weren't around or they just were too young. But so I think it actually grows that fan base. It may actually decide some of these younger kids' minds about who is the greatest. Um, I, I don't know about that. I think currently with the way that LeBron dominates the media, is they're going to think of him as the, the greatest. I mean, maybe not all of them, but I think most of them will. Yeah, well, I, I definitely don't think it hurts him. That's one good thing, I guess, uh, in this case. Um, so it actually drives me to the next question. Is Michael Jordan a bully, or is there another way of seeing his motivation, no style? I think that he is definitely a bully. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, there's there's ways of motivating people, and not everybody is going to respond in the best way to you poking and prodding them and beating them down physically and mentally because Michael Jordan, he had plenty of words to say that were probably degrading and not, not the thing that you want to put on camera. Um, and you know, he punched Steve Kerr in the face. They got into a fight. So yeah, it, I don't think Michael Jordan had to do that to get them on that level. Um, there are, probably better ways to motivate people and get them to the, the level that you want them to play. Um, but bullying is not the way to do it all the time or any really. 
Um, I'm kind of I'm on the fence about this one because I'm definitely on the side of him uh, being a bully, but I'm not too off the side of it being a good motivational style, especially when it produces six championships. Um, so he asks a lot of the people around him, and I guess that might be smart. It it, it puts a and instills a fear of not letting him down, or he will um, he'll come for you. Actually, I didn't even uh, put this in in the uh, podcast, but it will be in here now. So it was reported that he was he took Horace Grant's uh, after game meal when he didn't play, perform well, and that is clearly a bully. Yeah, that, that's a bully. And these are other grown men. So you coming and saying, no, don't give him no meal. He can't eat because he didn't play well or whatever. Nah, miss me with that. I'm getting my food. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, he going to see me with them hands. I swear. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. I swear. Like, what, how you going to say I ain't getting no food? I played out there just like I don't like care if you, you Michael Jordan. I don't care. We're going to have to fight Michael Jordan. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he think this is. Yo, and I bet you he was so disrespectful about it, too. Because he always disrespectful. He, like, extremely disrespectful. I bet you he was just about, he waited till he was just about to prepare it, or maybe just got it hot, or anything, just opened it and grabbed it from him and said, you don't need this. You ain't even perform well. You ain't burn no calories. And then ate it all in his face. He probably did. He probably did. This man was a vicious, uh, a vicious bully. And I can't blame that on the Detroit Pistons. I think that was already instilled in him also. Yeah, I don't think he really tried him because he knew what Scottie Pippen was. But you're either going to let that tear you down or it's going to make you stronger. That type of uh, criticism or bullying. He used to bully Scottie, too. Uh, well, I mean, they haven't shown any of that. I, they did. I've never heard of him. I don't think you paid attention. to It was one part where I think he kept calling Scotty some type of name. Uh, and, like, he shrugged it off. I, Pippen knows how to deal with Jordan. I can tell that. But he still was picking on him, and he does come after him. He did come after him. I think just Pippen was able to deliver it back. And not in a, I'm talking trash way but i can show it on the court i'm at least stop you or i'm gonna score too i mean i I guess yeah he just struck it off like okay that's mike but you know he knows not to really like try to fight me or nothing true very true but i I don't think i I, in that fight i think i would take pippen uh but um to move it along was the year in baseball for jordan a waste of time um, actually, no, I don't think it was a waste of time because it gave him a break from the NBA media and the game for him to rejuvenate himself and recover. And he was able to be himself. He, I think, um, after he had won those first three championships, he had gotten really mentally tired. He got tired with the process. Um, he felt like he was trapped in a box, not able to go out without well, people asking him to do all types of things things um and he was just able to recover in that time while playing baseball and that probably gave him that energy and well yeah just the energy to push the bulls to three more championships after that yeah um i can agree um 
it gave him a time to miss the game. It gave him a time to want to strive to have more. Um, I think that's one thing. One reason why he left basketball that was clear was because of his father dying. Uh, and I think it was because it was a constant reminder. He couldn't get up for why this game is important. It's nobody he probably felt he really cared about watching what he was doing. And then he can get this type of proud moment. So he went to something his dad probably would be proud of. And after that, it drove him to be like, hey, do I still have it? Because you know what? I'm pretty sure all of the NBA was out here trying him on the low. Yeah, I I think it was one of his teammates that tried him. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, maybe Armstrong, because he said that he was washed up and then they got a full on one on one. And then uh, Michael Jordan, he destroyed him. Well, Horace Grant actually got a little revenge because he was on that um, magic team that beat Jordan the year he came back and they lost in the playoffs. So Horace Grant was a former player who did get revenge. And that's when Jordan changed from the 45 to the 23 because of the comments of 45 isn't 23. Yeah, and um, I I think he just he felt like he was a new player and not having his father there, so that's why he went with a 45. And I think that's what he started out playing with that number, um, but you know he just changed back to 23. Yeah, it was a attachment to his high school years. Um, oh, actually, I think it might have been AA year, but um, we'll we'll move it all along uh, as we we tend to of course cover that each week into this documentary is over um but we move on to big news with zion williamson as he is facing a lawsuit after claims by his former uh, production manager that he received gifts and funds from duke nike adidas and other companies uh and people who gave those gifts to his parents, uh, I guess, in a, a way to him. So how true do you think this lawsuit claims are? I think it's a pretty high chance that they are true because uh, Zion Williamson has been, well, he was looked at as one of the best talents to ever potentially go into the NBA. And everybody wants that show. He was already having highlights before he went into college, and I'm pretty sure schools all over the place, they they wanted to get him. They wanted Zion Williamson because they knew that that would bring their program a whole bunch of money. So why not, you know, bribe him a little bit, give his family a little bit of money, and, you know, we'll throw it under the table. And, it, I mean, it's just one year. It's no harm. That's how they probably saw it. And I'm pretty sure that happens with other athletes, too. But Zion Williamson is one of the biggest athletes out there uh, coming into college. So it's just a bigger story. Yeah, Duke is not new to this. They're true to this. Uh, they know how to play it, pay their players. So, <laughs> so Pay for play. Oh, you know, they find a way to get that money to the top players. I'm I'm just pretty sure of it when it has already been and for a very long time been an underground market for getting funds to top players as they really should. And players 
at least coaches in the universities know that, but have to do it under the table um, due to the NCAA rules and them ha- wanting to monopolize the actual income as it is little pennies they're giving out to these players uh, versus what they're giving to them in uh, jersey sales and other revenue, um, them just performing well. But, yeah, I think it's very true. I think it's extremely true. Um, I think he got it through many ways. And the first actually hint towards him receiving money, along with multiple other players uh, who played for Duke that year, was uh, your boy R.G. Barrett. And there was uh, also Zion Williamson. And there's another player. I cannot remember his name right now. But they were all top 10 players all going to Duke at the same time. And it was it was very suspicious to see them all decide to go there, actually versus even a, a college like Kentucky. Yeah, um, this stuff continues to happen every every year. Um, if you go back and look at Louisville, I think that they were hiring escorts for the players, uh, a part of the recruiting process. And the coach, I think his name was Rick Patino, he was the one who got fired. Yeah, so I I know it's all of this is under the table. They get away with a lot of different things. It's mostly because they built rules that they really can't uphold fully and get what they want. The way they get what they want is by breaking their own rules that they set up, um, but doing it under the table and create some monopoly on the the revenue. That's really the end goal. But uh, do you does it really matter? If he received gifts and funds when the NCAA is already very close to players being able to make money off their likeness. No, I don't think it matters. I mean, even before they they proposed this change, I don't think it really mattered before that. Me for me personally, because I think the players, they do so much for the um, for the colleges. They make so much money for them. And that's why the colleges are afraid of losing money for this upcoming season for it being canceled because they're going to lose so much money and not be able to keep the school running. But the players, they, they generate so much money. Why, why can't they have a chance to get back some of that money? I don't, I don't see a problem with it. I, I never have seen a problem with it. It's just college sports has developed so much that th- there's so much money behind it. And the players have been the ones who have, yeah, the least compensated for the growth of the sport. Because before, it wasn't looked at as this. But there's just so much money behind it. They deserve to get paid. Agreed. You see, there's many, many, many bowl games. Many bowl games. They grow every single year. Um, they have a bowl game for absolutely everything. Everybody gets to a bowl game. But uh, to kind of uh, address whether it really matters, that whether it's Zion... Uh, doesn't matter whether he received the funds and the gifts. No, I don't think it matters, but it kind of does matter. And I'm going to tell you how and not. It doesn't matter because did they win a national championship? No. So what can they take away? Is there any particular accolades the Duke that Duke got that year? No, just nothing. Is he currently a collegiate player? No. Is there a degree to take? No, there's literally almost nothing they can do. He is in grown person land when it comes to income 
and it, there's no kind of uh, um, way to go backwards and dish out any punishment. Now, the way it does matter is by Zion's image. Zion's image is kind of real bubblegum candy uh, like in a way, even though he's a big dark skinned male black, which is not really the uh, stigma behind his vicious dunks and all of that stuff, but he it makes him extremely lovable and also brings in the dollars. So that's how it matters. It matters towards his image because if he's technically smart and if he was almost anybody else, I would advise saying, yeah, I did it. And just kind of look at them. What are they going to yeah. do? What, what are they going to say? But when it comes to Zion, he can't do that without changing his bubblegum image. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I don't think it's like too far from other players that have received things. Like there, there have been plenty of other players who have received compensation for them playing under the table with football, basketball, all of the big sports. Yeah, I, I can completely agree. I completely agree. And if the story turns out to be true, what kind of punishment could be dealt out? And do you think the public will force Zion to apologize? I don't think that there will be any type of punishment for Zion Williamson, but there will be a punishment for the program and specifically probably the coach, Coach K. Um, I think this tarnishes his image more than anything because I don't think he's been in any controversies. He's been the coach of the USA team before and people just generally like him. Um, but I think that Zion, yeah, you know, go ahead and issue a public apology, but it really doesn't matter that much. It's just all for show. Do you think they're going to force him to though? What you, you mean? Marion, people trying to sue him? Awesome. Awesome, you know, Marion Jones. I took the steroids. You know, he didn't take steroids, but you know, the Marion Jones crying on the stand. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, but no, it, it's, it's not. I don't that. see him crying. It's at not all, that bad. No, no, it's it's not that I bad agree. though. So you don't think that the public will force have a small outcry for him to apologize? Oh, the public? No, no, I don't think so. I thought you were talking about the people who are suing. No, no, no. I'm talking about the uh, the public because you know the public no. can force people to apologize for things they don't, they shouldn't have to apologize for. Uh, prime example: uh, Tiger Woods and his uh, intermarital um, relationships or extra. I, I, I might have said that wrong, but him just pretty, there you go, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but escapades. His escapades, yeah. And then she took that uh, um, golf club to the Escalade, but. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think it was an Escalade too, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would say the public does force people to apologize for things they shouldn't particularly have to, because, like I say, if it was anybody else, I, I mean, almost anybody else, other than Zion having that bubblegum uh, image, even if it was if it was LeBron. I would tell them straight up, hey, I did it. And I wouldn't even say, and what? I would just look at them. <laughs> because there is no and what. You don't need to ask me anything else. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, go ahead and get ahead of the story. Like, um, and be like, what are y'all going to do? Y'all can't do anything. Like, What are y'all going to do? 
Yeah, I mean, there's nothing they can do, but get ahead of the story like Earl Thomas, you know, the whole thing with uh, his cheating with his uh, with his wife, the football player. He got ahead of that story. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, as I think about it, what is this whole point of this lawsuit anyway? I know it's a scorned uh, production manager because he's a former uh, production manager and I guess he feels scorned in some way. I guess he got fired for some whatever reason. But he out here riding. He out here 6'9". Uh, and talking about a lawsuit to, for him to just pretty much say he received funds, I'm pretty sure he got part of those funds. Yeah, he's just trying to get some money. Just just yeah. money grabbing. And he know the dirt. And I don't. I, I still don't kind of get it because it, let's say Zion confessed. Like, what are you really lost? Uh, are you, is, it, is it a really a lawsuit for those wages? Now that would be slightly different, and maybe I need to read a little bit more into it. But is it a lawsuit for parts of those wages? And now, because he did not share a certain amount of those wages he got under the table with the production manager, that he is now doing a lawsuit. Because outside of that, it sounds like he's doing a lawsuit for an apology, or at least for a confession, which is not worth anything, but a waste of time. This is all a waste of time, but I think that he's just going to uh, try to just get some money. That, that's all it's for. I guess I'm not quite sure uh, what he's actually trying to get out of this. But uh, I'll move on to the NBA's cap salary being lower from its current $109.1 million per team. With the COVID pandemic, do you think the overall pay wage increase in the NBA will continue in the future, or will the star players have to get used to having less? I think that they're going to have to get used to getting less, or at least the same. I don't think that it's going to go up anytime soon. The the salary cap is only going to either stay the same or slightly dip, because even before the pandemic, there was less interest in the NBA at really as far as viewership. Um, those numbers were down. And then uh, the whole thing with China last summer or at the beginning of the season, preseason, um, those numbers dipped because China was not watching the NBA games and they will continue to not to do not watch the games. So that's another big loss right there. And then you add the pandemic on top of that. They are not going to be getting paid any higher than what they are, and they just might see a slight pay cut. I I can agree. I can agree. I actually think they are going to have to get used to less. I thought, in general, we might, as a whole of a a, a nation, as in the United States, and our our image on the pay wage for NFL players and baseball, sorry, basketball players, even baseball players. Uh, being so high and continue to rise may just be an error, an error where a lot of people got a lot of money. And outside of those 30 to 40 years, the it even it goes down, at least, because when it came to the 60s, the 70s and even the 80s, they did not gain a lot of money. Those players who retired and was in uh, playing for a long period of time do not have a lot of money. Most of that came post career. Uh, due to popularity in their career. Uh, but 
so it's different for this era. It kind of begun with the Jordan era of getting a lot, and it actually tying in the media and the viewing, and then continued into the uh, LeBron era and into the now era. But it may create a stop, as I think it will. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, this pandemic is going to affect everybody, as it already has, but. We haven't seen the full effect yet. Agreed. So while this pandemic has been going on, the MBPA has taken vote a voting poll by the NBA players on whether to return for the rest of the season. And so they sent out texts to each one of these players and pretty much, well, simply you select a yes or a no to whether to continue the season. So while the numbers are still being reviewed and everything's coming back, how do you really feel this vote will play out? I think that it will be a split decision because players are worried about bringing back uh, the potential virus to their, their families. Um, and they're worried about if they do play, they'll have to be basically quarantined for, this amount of time. So they just don't want to risk it. And then you have those other players who want to go ahead and finish just because, um, you know, they they said we got to crown a winner for this year. And um, we didn't play all of the season for nothing. Um, And and some of those players like LeBron, I mean, he doesn't, his, his days are numbered. He wants to keep stacking championships and I'm pretty sure he definitely wants to finish and he's staying in shape. Um, But, it's, it's really going to be a split decision, and I think that it will basically be – they're not going to finish the season. That, that's what I think the end result will be. I think that there's been a whole shift in the way all of these players have conducted their lives for many years. And they've had to now be at home and been on a quarantine vacation with their families or people who they have to hang around with for a almost 24-hour basis because there's nothing else to do other than the workout and hope but not hope that the NBA returns because it doesn't have, seem to be anywhere soon. So it, it's very easy to become complacent, especially if you do not have facilities to do any type of practicing. Some players haven't touched a ball since their last game, which is a large amount of time to be without practice. I think that the the vote is going to play out to be somewhere in the 70, 30 range for the season to continue. And that they're going to actually end up doing something where it does localize in uh, Orlando and have all the players there on type of a summer camp type of uh, theme situation. I think these players are itching to play. They are itching for competition. And if there's any way they can save the season or even just get out of the house. I think they're down for it. I think they're willing to take the risk. They've taken other risk. <laughs> yeah, but um, I applaud the NBA, more specifically the um, commissioner of the NBA for being progressive and wanted to get all these ideas from um, general managers, team owners and players. But, the way that he's gone about this is it's created too many sides to this. You need to be more assertive 
and say, okay, we're going to do this, not this, because it's, it's just creating too many questions and nobody knows what direction it's going to go. Um, and, and you can see that on the opposite end with uh, the NFL with uh, Roger Goodell. They basically said, we're having the season. Nothing is not going to be off schedule, except for, I guess, training camp. But they had the NFL draft, and they still are planning on having the season. So there, there has to be some type of assertiveness with the, the NBA commissioner. Agreed. So is it time to overhaul the entire NBA league and schedule? When you say that, do you mean like change it to a different date or – change it all around change how the uh the the entire just doing an entire overhaul overhaul on the nba since everything's being forced anyway now like they were saying season will start in december uh now you only play these amount of games now uh this is how we conduct things yeah uh, yeah i agree with that you have to be more assertive. Like you, I mean, you don't have to be a dictator, but you need to. Yes, he does. You 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 need to be strong. <laughs> he, does, he does need to be a dictator. He is the. He has lives in his hands, and in this situation, we actually have to follow the uh, the the most qualified person, uh, and he's the commissioner. He's put in that position to make these decisions. It shouldn't be. I guess it should be on the players also because I think it's really about the revenue and everybody's slightly hopeful to continue the season. But on the low, he may have to really overrule and say it's not going to happen. But it's a lot of money to lose. Yeah, you you, you got to step up in that position. I mean, people may dislike you for it, but that's what they pay you for. Look at Roger Goodell. He has done so much for the NFL that they are making the most money that they've ever made. And they are still trying to continue with the season, even if it doesn't have any fans. That sounds like a, a, a Jerry Jones statement. Uh, we're making more <laughs> money than we've ever made. <laughs> but <laughs> they are about the money. <laughs> You're right. I agree. I agree. They probably are, but uh, it just seems like a uh, don't look behind the curtain. Uh, this is not how, what's going on type of uh, statement. Uh, so it might be true, but you might want to be cautious just because they're a little too enthusiastic about that. Yeah, I mean, but they they want to continue at all costs. <laughs> I, every every sport really does, because even baseball is uh, already playing out um, how they're going to try to continue. And, and as we will talk about another sport that did continue even during the pandemic. Uh, but we'll still stand in the field of base. Sorry, of basketball and a hit that actually the NBA took a little bit earlier this year, as Adam Silver said that the NBA lost over. 300 million in revenue from the China from China not broadcasting their games and China has no uh, future plans of broadcasting the NBA games. So after such a big loss in revenue, is it time to review whether Daryl Morey should be punished? I think it is time to review that because I mean, he's just lost so much money for them. It's more of like a detrimental to the league. You said something that wasn't really of your concern, um, which, I mean, he, he was right about it, you know, freedom. But 
it wasn't of your concern. And now you've gotten us into a deeper hole and we've lost even more money. And he should be reprimanded for that. And um, it's just sad. Well, a lot of people have freedoms, but there's not certain freedoms allowed while working for someone, especially when you're representing someone, especially in an entire country. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I think that it is time to review a punishment and a large punishment for Daryl Morey. $300 million is a lot of money, and I think they're underselling it, to be real. $300 million actually seems slightly low for an entire season of China not viewing, purchasing, and being Vietnamese very against uh, the NBA. They're, they're, I'm pretty sure they're controlling the entire market on what's being purchased and what's being consumed because it's already been shown. Yeah, um, people don't want to put all of their losses out there, so <laughs> just so it yeah. doesn't look too bad. <laughs> and now they get a hit here where there's no playoffs because at this point we would have probably been somewhere around uh, the we would have been in uh, later parts of the playoffs at this point uh, with the the NBA league. So at this point, China would have not participated in viewing any of the NBA season going back to last summer when we first actually uh, talked about this, when they were in China for a summer event. And I'm pretty sure that that contributed to the dip in numbers, along with, I guess, not as much interest in the regular season. Yeah. I can agree. So we're moving on to a sport that did continue and more than likely will continue during the COVID pandemic does not require a lot of people to be around for this sport. I'm referring to the UFC. And this past weekend, there was UFC 249. The most highlighted or most paid attention to fight would be Greg Hardy versus Yogan Castro, where, yes, Greg Hardy comes out with another victory and a unanimous decision. So do you see it being that much of a benefit that the fighters could hear the announcers? I think that, mm, I mean, it it depends on what you think that they are. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what the advantage that he gets from hearing them. Maybe they are projecting what the other fighter might do. So maybe he's able to hear them better along with his coaches and other uh, person's coaches. Um, I I can see that definitely with the coaching, hearing all of that, basically without having any fans. But um, I I guess it did help him. (laughs) Well, it was said that it did help him because he could hear the announcer saying things like, Oh, he's leaving this hand down. Oh, uh, he's been having trouble in this area. It seems like a extra coaching on top of coaching. Uh, and simply due to the emptiness of the stadium and there being no audience, uh, it is he can't help but hear them. Okay, yeah, that, I can definitely see that. It it gives him basically uh, another coach, like you said, that projects what he should do and where he's lacking he they're basically critiquing him and giving him the the best options to succeed yeah and the announcers are doing what they normally do but 
part of their job is educating the audience and a lots of importance or, or moves or specialties or uh, where they have problems or where they don't have problems or what's actually going on that they might not be able to view from where they're at, where they're in the middle of the fight. I think it was a benefit, as Greg Hardy did say it was. Um, but could you see the UFC building a bigger audience in this new social distancing world? I think that they can build an audience if they show it on, let's say, ESPN, not on one of these other platforms where you have to pay extra because people well, don't have that extra money. What well, you know, say? oh, you know, uh, it is on ESPN. It's just on ESPN Plus. OK, well, they, that's still they, extra. They, they, yeah, they got a, a deal with ESPN not too long ago. So now all UFC fights are on ESPN. It's just ESPN Plus uh, that you can see it on. Yeah, well, I mean, that, it used to be a extra bill. Uh, yeah, but even with that, it just being on ESPN Plus, it's still an extra bill that people are probably not willing to pay for. Um, because they already might have Hulu or Netflix or whatever other streaming service, and that just that stuff just piles up. They just they, they really need to put it on regular ESPN um, or maybe on ABC or CBS, the the non cable channels, well, if that's possible. What's happening is they they need to draw in the money, just like any boxing fight. Uh, this is a UFC fight, which is a little bit different. You know, mixed martial arts uh but they need to bring in the revenue the private revenue not the basic uh advertising revenue like that is big money when it comes to certain things but uh the most the most money comes from in a fight uh it's going to be the money that buys in to see the fight uh so that, that's why Mayweather gets so much money. That's why he gets so much money when he does a fight. It's simply due to the amount of people who wants to view the fight. So it's going to be extra complicated for them to line something that up like that up, especially when I agree it's 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 not a good deal. It's an extra bill, and especially when ESPN is starving for news. Really, they're still producing news, but is it may be an eventual point where. Uh, sports have to hit a halt in almost every way because they cannot function. But we're not there yet. Uh, but in general, they're starving for audience and news. Yeah. Um, ESPN is just trying to uh, latch on to any sports news that they can get. And they have gotten that with the UFC, uh, The Last Dance, and just recently the NFL Draft. Uh, but it's kind, it's, it's kind of becoming... Uh, very repetitive, especially on the debate shows. Oh, yeah, I can't. The only one, cause, because I like hearing Shannon Sharp and I like hearing Skip, he doesn't become too overbearing like he used to be when he was on ESPN. That's the only one I can listen to in the background. Now, when it comes to first take, I absolutely cannot listen to them. Absolutely cannot listen to them because I they, they, they bring too much energy and they stay pissed at each other about stuff we really don't care about. Well, I actually kind of like them for the variety because they actually change it up. Skip and Shannon, they talk about the same thing too much. Okay. Well, you know, tomato, tomato, everybody likes their own. Um, no, no, I, I still tip. like Skip and Shannon better, but uh, first take, they they change it up more. Skip and Shannon, even before 
the whole pandemic, they still talked about mostly the same thing. I just, I don't think I can take it a lot of times when they get mad at each other on um, first take because they just be bringing too much energy. They they be like mad, mad. They be real mad. Like they like they too done with each other. Like I don't even want to see you no more. I can't even look up at the camera no more. I'm so tired of you. Now it'd it be like that with uh, Skip and Shannon, but uh, uh, they get over it by the next day. They ain't got no real beef. No, not at all. They they. But I think they, they, they be having feeling real feelings in uh <laughs> on first take. Well, that's entertaining though. I, I mean, guess. not I guess. not all the time, but yeah, I, I take it in doses. Yeah, so uh, we're way off subject, but uh, we'll pull it back in with Mike Tyson and him releasing multiple videos of an impressive, impressive workouts. So it was full of hard punches, uh, swift moves, and a lot of the footwork he had when he was a dominant boxer. So how much do you buy into Mike Tyson returning to the ring after over 15 years from competing? Well, just looking at that video that he posted I mean, he looked pretty vicious. Um, he looked like he was ready to tear through somebody. Uh, I think that he would probably struggle for the most part at first. But once he gets his legs back under him, I think that he can probably succeed, but not be as dominant as he wants to be. I think he got it. I think he has it. Because... <laughs> We we underestimate really um, what Tyson is, and I don't think he even fully understood what he was until he was later in his career and was a little bit more vulnerable. But he he's a, he's simply the knockout king. Of course, he wanted to knock people out, but he didn't understand that that is his best attribute, absolutely his best attribute, because he needs and should knock people out quickly so that he doesn't get into a distance fight for boxing. More than likely, he'll lose in that situation. And he's lost other times, having taken that long beating or them getting him tired and them actually being able to take the hits or dodge the hits. That has been his Achilles in his past. Tyson has it. Tyson, when I saw that video, if there was any glimmer of hope in my mind thinking that I could at least possibly take an old man Tyson hit or I might be able to last there even 10 seconds, that all went away when I saw this man hit a bag. This man will body probably 99% of the population. <laughs> it, it was pretty vicious, that, that video that he put out. But you just don't know until you actually go against somebody. I agree, but that's the only reason why I say he has to play it for the short game. If there's any way that fight lasts more than two rounds, he will lose it and might lose it bad. Yeah, that's why I say he, he'll, he, he no, needs to get no his legs. Build. Yeah, he's, he, he won't have any distance. He must attack, and he must give them his all in that first round. Like, just... Not do what he did in the video and just knock them so hard that even if they block it, it still hurts them. And if yeah, he did that, I, mean, he is. I think he has that ability, and that's why I say he still has it. I think he has enough to last max two rounds, and he really shouldn't get that far. But I think he can do everything he needs to in that first round easily due to what I saw. <laughs> 
it's easy to say. I mean, he, he looked pretty vicious, but he has to get his legs under him if he wants to last. I think he actually had he has like workout legs right now. He might not be up to like boxing, boxing shape. And if he chose to, he could get to enough of a boxing weight. I think this man, like, putting up against what type of competition he will be going against, as long as it's not somebody who just honestly just bigger and a whole lot younger, like, who's not, who's, like, tall and got more uh, reach, I think he, he gonna mess him up. And even if I think they had reach, he'll get inside because he has, he's good at that also. So, overall, I think from what he has right now, he would body probably 70% of those boxes in that weight class currently. Maybe. Uh, we just have to see. But, um, I mean, that would actually be pretty interesting to see. Especially I agree. With, um, the, the sports being at a halt right now. I honestly think that he could bring in three-fourths of what Mayweather amount of money comes in. Simply off of hype and excitement. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely bring in some money. Um, I don't think there's not and bring some attention to boxing. Yeah, I, I don't think there was to be a single person who wouldn't buy that fight. If there was an ESPN Plus and you had to sign up for the full year, people are signing up. I'm signing up. Yeah, I might just come through for that too. Because <laughs> I mean, it actually doesn't cost that much. I think it's like four ninety nine for a month. Look at us lobbying for ESPN, but uh, I'm still not down to pay that five. Uh, but if it was Tyson, trust me, I'll pay for that, that fight. I think that would be more worth it than watching a Mayweather fight where he dodges everything. Um, but all right, we go to our last subject, which is Tua Tonga Valoa. Um, he agrees to a four-year, $30.3 million deal with the Dolphins, and with $19.6 million of that signing being a signing bonus, all of the contract being fully guaranteed. So do you see this investment paying off for Miami and Tua? Yes, I, I definitely see this paying off for both parties because Tua, before his whole injury, he was looked at as the number one overall draft pick potentially, um, but he did get injured. And he, he actually does look pretty good in those uh, in his pro day that he did. And I think as long as you get him some protection, he is going to be very good. And the Miami Dolphins will probably look back at this at really getting him out of bargain. Well, well, really, for any rookie, they don't get paid that much anymore. But he is the future for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I agree. And like they they've already been committed to him. I think this is a perfect relationship even if we haven't seen it to actually act, uh play out just yet. Because there was there's even a full slogan of tanking for Tua. That is a real thing that is in the 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 verbiage of NFL history. Because it will be attached to it and it actually came true that Miami was able to obtain Tua. I think it's a perfect relationship. It's going to pay off for the Dolphins no matter what when it comes to revenue because he did just out uh, his jersey sales just out did Tom Brady's for Tom for Tampa Bay, which is crazy. Um, and it's literally in Florida um, where both of these teams will be. But um, when it comes to Tua, the only way this this investment doesn't pay off is if he gives them more than they invested. 
it, it would be underselling him himself if it does that way. But is it was just about due that he had something guaranteed, something to make him comfortable in everything about his relationship with Miami. It is the entire contract is fully guaranteed, no matter what happens. And I don't think they would ever feel bad if he did not work out. Yeah, because um, I mean he did have an injury history, but um, he was a great talent in well at Alabama, and it, he just seems so hard to pass up on. I, I agree. They weren't going to pass up on him because literally, like you, I said earlier, there was tanking for Tua. That is a full. Uh, thing that will like you can actually recall back to some people who know uh, in the NFL and will say, oh, yeah, I understand that year before Tua uh, was when he was in college and Miami was in a way tanking just to get him and then eventually got him. So I think that alone uh, shows the strength of this relationship and the fact that they will both uh, gain from this investment. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think the coaching staff is actually pretty good, too. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good uh, situation in Miami. Uh, I, I can't wait. Now, actually, uh, our brother, me and Muhammad, brother uh, plays for Miami. And it's actually hinted out that um, to his brother, he's actually put into the transfer transfer portal. He was the third string quarterback on Alabama when uh, Tua was also on the team, but he has also now put himself into the transfer for, for portal where he can go to another team. Well, as it has been hinted, of course, um, where did is where did his brother just sign a long term deal? Uh, where is there's a whole lot of sunshine? Where will your brother have a full mansion and you can also have a relationship and uh, be around him? And where is there an opening for quarterback? all at Miami. So I think that may be a little hint towards the future that to his brother may actually transfer to Miami. Well, Miami did get another um, quarterback and he, he was a a pretty big prospect. He threw like 50 touchdowns at Houston. So I don't think he's going to get that job. (laughs) Not this year. Well, I think they're down for a uh, quarterback competition. I, I think everything is said and done, but yes, you're definitely right. The quarterback they did get did very well with for Houston. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody's up for um, QB competition, but um, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't mind Tua's brother. Yeah, because you saw Jalen Hurts and uh, Tua literally in the same situation uh, when it came to Alabama, but uh, we ended off there, and this has been so you think you know sports. Uh, we go into the last part, which is the trivia part. Like always, they're all multiple choice. Muhammad comes up with the question. I try to give you a little background on the things I may know about the uh, about the question and try to get the answer right. So go ahead with the first question, Muhammad. All right. Which sportswear brand ended its 10-year association with the NFL in 2011? A, Adidas, B, Reebok, or C, Under Armour? Oh, so my first thought before you even said anything was Adidas. And I don't know why it went towards Adidas, but I'm, I still have to kind of consider because it would be surprising that Under Armour separated from the NFL. And that could be a crazy uh, fact. So I'm not fully sold on my first instincts. So go ahead and repeat the question and answer again. 
which sportswear brand ended its 10-year association with the NFL in 2011? A, Adidas, B, Reebok, or C, Under Armour? Man, man, man. I'm going to just go with my first instincts, and I'm going to go with Adidas. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's wrong. (laughs) It's Reebok. Okay. I I could see that. I just didn't know. I I, I wasn't too sure whether they – I don't remember them being on jerseys, so that that makes it a little difficult. You can go out with the second question, Muhammad. All right. What is the NFL wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins' nickname? A, Sticky Fingers. B, Flash, or C, Duke. Hmm. That's hard. That's not, that might be hard, but I'm not exactly sure. So one more time. What is the NFL receiver DeAndre Hopkins' nickname? A, Sticky Fingers. B, Flash. Or C, Nuke. Hmm. I feel like it's A. Um, sticky fingers. So I'm gonna just go with that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong again. <laughs> You're wrong again. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Is is Nuke Hopkins? You know, you never heard of that before. Nuke? Not really. Okay. Not really. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you play fantasy football, you you probably seen them list them. But I mean, nobody calls them that out in person. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't play fantasy football. You're definitely right. I retired from that league a long time ago. But (laughs) go ahead with the last question. Hopefully I can get one right. All right. The former soccer player uh, Zidane, known for the infamous Zidane headbutt, played for what national soccer team? A, France, B, Germany, or C, the Netherlands? Oh, gosh. This is weird. You're going to mess with me. I'm going to end up with an 0 for 3. I like the questions. I just don't know the questions. <laughs> uh, one more time again. The former soccer player, Zidane, known for the infamous Zidane headbutt, played for what national soccer team? A, France, B, Germany, or C, the Netherlands? Mm. And I remember he had that headbutt uh, to the chest in one of the World Cups. Um, I mean, he he did it on somebody else. Uh, so say the the uh, countries again, one more time. France, Germany, and the Netherlands. Uh, I think it's Netherlands. I'm gonna go with C. Wrong again. Oh God. It's France. <laughs> oh wow. Well, it is what it is. Uh, I, hopefully, I'll get more next time. And this has been so you think you know sports. See you next week. <laughs>